Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And I noticed such a difference between last week and the week before from this end of it. Um, when we were talking about water baptism, I can honestly say in the hundreds of sermons I've preached in my life, perhaps thousands, I'm not really sure, but um, the week we did water baptism, I mean, I, I, I felt such uh, everybody's on board. Everybody's receiving. Everybody's like, wow, it was awesome. Unity, just yes kind of feeling. Really had me kind of high for a few days afterwards. It was awesome. And then baptizing people, I, I did as much for me as it did for them. It was, it was, it was powerful. It was awesome. Last week we were talking about the third baptism because there are three baptisms. Um, and I definitely felt some resistance, no doubt about it. And I think the resistance comes from uh, people that don't know or have been taught one way or the other, just scared, nervous, that's weird or that's kooky or whatever. And But it's not weird and it's not kooky. It's the Word of God. It's nothing, you should never be scared of the Word of God. It should actually make you feel good. And um, so what we're doing is learning. Amen? That's why we're here this morning, to learn, to obtain knowledge and what the Word of God says. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to uh, go through this and kind of explain things and hopefully answer some questions and um just know that it's, it's um, uh, if the Word of God is offending you, if I offend you, I've got a problem, and I need to apologize. If the Word of God offends you, that's your problem. There's a difference between me and the Word, I can tell you. If the Word offends you, then that's your problem. That's, that's certainly not my problem. Um, so you should never be offended by the Word. The Word is given to us to edify us, to build us up. It's called the gospel, which is the good news. Have you ever heard good news and felt bad? No, good news makes you feel good. That's why it's called good news. Amen. And this is the good news. So let's, let's continue on, basically pick up where we left off last week, and then we'll go on next week and may go the week after that. I don't, I'm not sure, but um, we are going to learn. We're going to see in Scripture here. I don't want you to ever um, leave here thinking anything's my opinion. I want you to... See it straight from the, the Word of God. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Amen? All right. So in saying all that, wherever you came from, whatever background you've got, whatever denomination, um, whatever you've been taught, maybe you've been to cemetery, I mean seminary, and heard like the Holy Spirit passed away or whatever, that's just simply not true. We'll show you in the Word. But just be, uh, what I'm saying, being open-minded, heart ready to receive. Amen? Has anybody in here ever had a surgery? Probably a lot of people. I've had several. I had one last summer on July the 6th. Broke my elbow off. And I preached here the next Sunday. Probably shouldn't have. Did a wedding the Saturday after that. Probably shouldn't have. I was... Uh, Preaching under the influence. <laughs> yes. But um, they don't just wheel you straight back to do the surgery. They get you ready. They get you prepared. And then they take you back in there and they cut you open and they do an operation. I want you to think about praise and worship when you come in here. Man, you've had a rough week, tough week, things on your mind. And you come in here to hear the word. You know, that the praise and worship is getting you ready for the operation. Because God's going to operate on your heart. And the, and the praise and worship, I'm telling you, it's just getting you ready to receive. Amen. Now, they give you anesthesia before they operate on you. Don't think of praise and worship as anesthesia. We're not trying to put you to sleep. Um, but that's, that's what it is. It's coming here, get ready to receive. Praise the Lord. So, got your Bible, you can open it up and turn to the book of Acts. Acts, the second chapter. 
It says, when the day of Pentecost, starting in the very first verse, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and that's important there, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So I'm going to back up. The day of Pentecost had fully come. Well, what does that mean? What's the, what is the day of Pentecost, and what does it mean when the day of Pentecost had fully come? Because some people may not know what the day of Pentecost is, and all you've heard was Pentecost. That's weird. I mean, they're handling snakes and drinking poison. And all the women have their hair in a bun and the dress goes all the way to the floor and they can't wear jeans. And this is crazy bunch. They're pew jumpers. <laughs> Some of you don't know what. You haven't been in a service where people were jumping pews. But um, anyway, what is Pentecost? And, and just when you say the word a lot of times, there's, there's a negative uh, connotation, I guess you could say, that goes with it. But it's nothing, it's nothing negative. We're going to talk about what Pentecost is. So... I won't explain it this way. I've got three points here. Um, and I want you to know that there's, there's three major feasts in Israel. Three major feasts in Israel. One's on the, the first, one's on the third, one's on the seventh month, and that's in their calendar where they gather together. And it's called a feast. I was telling Jackie, you know, when you read all this, they had a lot of feasts. They did a whole lot of eating. You know what? I mean, they had a lot of feasts. Actually, there was those three feasts, but there's actually a total of seven feasts within the three feasts. And we talk a lot about, uh, I was thinking about Darrell, actually. He, he fasts a lot. I was thinking maybe, maybe it's, we need to have a little feast, Darrell. Fatten you up. But I like the sound of that, the feast, don't you? And you know they threw down with some, with some feasts. But uh, during these three major feasts there, that's where the whole nation, people gathered around from all over, from nations all around, and they, they came uh, for these feasts. So the first feast was the Feast of Passover. And within inside that feast, there was also a Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of first fruits. The second feast was the Feast of Pentecost. And the third feast was the Feast of Tabernacle, and inside the Feast of Tabernacle is also the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Day of Atonement, which gives you a total of seven different feasts. Now, um, the Pentecost, which is what we're talking about, um, they gathered together and celebrated the giving of the law. When Moses came down from the mountain with the law, which was 50 days after Passover, when the children of Israel came out of uh, slavery, out of bondage, came out of Egypt, uh, the law was given 50 days after that, and so they gathered together and they had a feast and celebrated that. So the word penta and cost is, penta is five, and cost is to the 10th power. So it's five to the 10th power, which is, gives you 50. So what's Pentecost? 50. That's scary, isn't it? When you hear the word Pentecost, that's what it means, the 50th. There's nothing to be scared of unless you're fixing to turn, have your 50th birthday and turn 50. That's kind of scary. Well, a lot of y'all are over 50, so it's not scary to you. <laughs> Looking at Joey, he's like, that's not scary. Yeah, it's because you're 70. <laughs> but um, it's cool about the 50th. So... Um, Jesus, after, after, he come out, after he was resurrected, he was on the earth and people saw him for 40 days. And then the disciples went to the upper room and they were in there praying for 10 days before the Holy Spirit came, which was when the, Holy, when the Pentecost had fully come, which was 50 days. So that's really cool. Um, God likes math. Look in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, the 15th. And you can just stay right there in Acts, the 2nd. If you've got your Bible, you can mark in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. That's where we'll be. Acts 2nd and 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. Uh, no need to turn into Leviticus right here. We just got two scriptures. But it says, You shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheath of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Sabbath, Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So that's what I want you to see there is 50 days. It says count 50 days to the day. 50 days. Which it was 50 days um, after Passover. 
And it was 50 days after Jesus came out of the tomb, so it, it lines up. This is, God really knows what he's doing. Pretty impressive, huh? Amen. Well, I just wanted you to see that there in Scripture, where that, where that come from. So what is Pentecost? Well, the 50th day had arrived. When it says it had fully come there in Acts, the second chapter, the 50th day had arrived. So what happened at Pentecost? That's the next question. What happened at Pentecost? So we'll pick up there in Acts, back to the third verse. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, I want you to get a hold of this right here. Let me back up. It says, They were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation. Every nation. That's important if you're a note taker, just write down. Every nation. And then right here in the sixth verse, um, they were confused and they heard them speaking their own language. So as people from every nation, they were confused and then they heard. Now, if you go back to Genesis, the 11th chapter, it says they were all in one nation and they were all together with one language. And they said, let's build this tower that's going to go all the way to heaven. And then God came down and he confused their language and he sent men out to different nations, right? He confused their language and he sent them out to different nations and they're speaking different languages. They didn't understand any each other anymore. But here on the day of Pentecost, you see what happens. It says men from every nation, from all these other nations, now they're gathered together, not in pride, not in rebellion, but in obedience, in submission, in humility. And he gives them back a pure language. So in other words, the curse was reversed. Praise the Lord. That's pretty exciting. It excited me. I shared that with my grandmother this week. She seemed about as excited as y'all look. She was like, oh, yeah. Wow, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> but I thought it was pretty exciting. They came back, and uh, now they says they were hearing this, uh, heard them speak in his own language. Now, you have to go read the, the whole chapter and get the, the fullness of that. But... Um, and that excited me, just to thinking about how it was reversed. Now they've got a pure language. He's restored to them. The, the curse has been reversed. Amen? It says they were, these men were speaking, they were Galileans and different things, and they were speaking in all these other different uh, languages, and it says they understood it. Now, it reminds me of a time this happened to me years ago. I was here, right here in this building. Right here in, in right, I was actually sitting right here in a chair years ago. And it was on a six o'clock in the morning. And I was here with a bunch of women and one man. And I was in that chair and they gathered around me and they were on me like a chicken on a June bug, let me tell you. And they're praying for me. And um, they were praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, praying in English as well. But uh, during, while they're praying, um, praying for me, they're praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. Well, I heard, clear as a bell, clear as you're hearing me right now, one of the ladies said uh, something about my life and things are going on in my life and how God was working and she saw this or that and uh, it was very encouraging. Amen? So afterwards, I said, uh, maybe in the day later, hours later, uh, later on that day, I said, you know, those things that you spoke over me, you're exactly right. I am going through that. I am struggling with this. And these, it, it's, you're spot on the money. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, you know, when you said about this, about me, she goes, I didn't say that about you. And I said, yeah, you did. She goes, no, I didn't. So the other ladies when, when they got together, did you hear me say anything in English? And they're like, no. Did you, did you hear me say any of these words he says I said? No. 
Nobody heard it except me. They were praying in tongues, but I'm telling you right now, I heard English. But I mean, you're talking about being encouraged, you're talking about lifting me up, you're talking about uh, strengthening me and building me up. Hey, boy, it did. So that experience that I'm talking about right here is kind of like right here we're talking about in Pentecost uh, when these men heard something different. They heard a different language. Amen? So 50 days after Passover, uh, the law was given. And if you go back and read, uh, there was a loud sound that day. There was a cloud that covered the mountain. There was fire. And God wrote the law on the tablets. Amen? So you talk about the cloud and the fire, and we go back and read about how he let them cloud by day, fire by night, which is representation of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost here, when they're sitting there in one accord in the upper room, it says they heard a loud sound. And the fire, the tongues, uh, that set upon each other's head, and of course the Holy Spirit comes and fills their room uh, like a cloud. And we read in Scripture that the law is not written, written on tablets anymore, but it's written on our hearts. Amen? So the day of Pentecost, do you realize 3,000 people were saved? The day the law was given, Moses is up on the mountain. God's writing the law. Before he can even make it down the mountain, they're already down there. He, one of the laws was thou shalt not commit adultery at the bottom of the mountain. They're already committing adultery. When Moses comes down, 3,000 people died that day. You know why? Because they couldn't keep the law. They couldn't keep it. Nobody could keep it. There was only one that kept it, and his name was Jesus. So what does that tell you? We need the Holy Spirit because you can't keep it. I can't keep it. We can't keep it. We need the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. We need the strength that comes from it. Amen. So we can't make it without it. And some people are going through life without the Holy Spirit. And uh, you just feel dead and you feel powerless. That's because you are. That's where power is going to come from. That's where strength is going to come from. So, point number three here, or, or question number three, rather, I should say, is can I experience Pentecost today? Because many people have taught and many people have heard, too late, you had to be there. I mean, like if you weren't there then, you know, and it died off and it's too late for you. Well, that's just plum silly. Um, absolutely silly. That's not what the scripture tells us at all. Look here in Acts, the second chapter. Uh, let me see if I've got it without having to back up. Let me back up. Acts, the second chapter and the third verse here. It says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Divided tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Now, um, the word divide is, if you look at the word, break it down, D-vid. If you think about D-vid, you think about N-D-vid, dual, individual. And so what that's telling us is uh, the division, the divided tongues was every individual, they were div it was divided, every individual got it. It wasn't just for a handful. It was everybody who was in that room. It was 120. And if you keep on reading in Acts, all the people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they got it. It was for the Greeks, for the Jews, for the Gentiles, for all of us. It's not just for a chosen few that died. It's for everyone. Amen. And the word their tongues, uh, you look it up in the Greek, the word is glosso. Glosso, and an English word for that is glossary, and glossary is language. So if you want to know what tongues means, it means language. So everybody was given an individual language, an individual tongue. It was put on everybody. It's for every individual. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. Praise the Lord. It's nothing to be scared of. It's nothing to be afraid of. Never be afraid of the Bible. Never be afraid of the Word. If you're sitting out there and we read the Scripture and something rises up in you and you, you want to push back from it, just know that shouldn't happen. When you hear the Word of God, it, you shouldn't have resistance. You shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't be fearful. And if you do experience that feeling, you have to say, why am I feeling that? What was I taught? Or is my, my beliefs evidently doesn't line up with this word? Let me tell you, Satan doesn't want you to get a hold of this. He doesn't want you to get a hold of this. 
He doesn't. There's always going to be resistance when you preach on this because he doesn't want you to have that power. Satan is going to push, resist. He's going to try everything he can to get you to not be here today, to not listen, to not believe, or whatever it is. Same thing happens with healing. I'm going to tell you, every time I go preaching on healing, faith and on healing, it never fails. It never fails. He doesn't want you healed. He doesn't, Satan doesn't want you to know healing belongs to you. Amen. Now, um, there's 120, like I said, in the upper room, and everyone got it. So you say, well, can I? Can I experience Pentecost? Well, look right here in Acts, in the first chapter, and in the fourth verse, it says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me, for truly... Uh, for John truly baptized with the water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What did he tell them to do? He said to wait for the promise. Let me back up forth first. Wait for the promise of the Father. It's a promise. And he says to wait for it. Now look right here in Acts, the second chapter, the 38th verse. And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and that's water baptism, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't pay for it. It's a gift. Salvation's a gift. Healing's a gift. This is a gift. The gift of righteousness. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you do to receive a gift? Just receive it. Hold your hands out and take it. Thank you, Jesus. You receive it by what? By faith. Now it says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. For the Holy Spirit... Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the gift. There are gifts. We've been given gifts. There's different gifts. We'll talk about that later. But this gift right here, this promise, this gift is the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a promise. And he says, this is a gift. Praise the Lord. Amen. To you, to your children, to all who are far off. When I read the far off, I think of, boy, one time in my life, I was far off. But that promise was for me. That gift was for me. It didn't go anywhere. It wasn't far off. It was up close. I was the one who was far off. I said before that God had to get his binoculars out just to see me. I was so far away, which is not true. Obviously, he can see you. But I felt like I was so far from God, he had to squint just to see me. I was a long way off. Let me tell you, you've been a long way off too. Some of you in this room right now may be far off. But um, it's for you. It's for your children. For you, for your children. I mentioned this last week, the song we sing. For your children, for your children's children, for your family. This promise is for you and for your children. Not just for the ones who were in the upper room. Not just for a small handful. It didn't die off. It didn't go away. It hadn't left. The Holy Spirit's alive and well. Amen. So can I experience Pentecost? Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Passover was fulfilled when Jesus died. The feast of Passover, you know, when the Lamb was slain. Well, Passover was fulfilled when the Lamb of God was slain. We're talking about Jesus Christ. So can you experience that? Have you experienced that? Well, yes. You've experienced it. You've experienced the blood of Jesus. You've experienced salvation. That is something you've experienced. Tabernacles, have you experienced it? No, because tabernacle will be filled when that last trumpet sounds and then you and I will tabernacle with God. So have I got to be alive then? No, because it says the dead in Christ will rise. Yeah, that trumpet's going to blow granny out of the grave. I hope it don't blow me out of the grave because I, I hope Jesus comes back before then. I mean, if he came back today, that wouldn't be soon enough. Let's blow this popsicle stand. You know what I mean? Let's get out of here. Praise the Lord. But can you experience it? Yes. So to say that you can experience Passover, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, the tabernacle, that we're all going to go to heaven, the dead's going to Christ, but no, you can't experience Pentecost. Well, that's just plumb silly. 
It absolutely makes no sense whatsoever at all. Do you see that? I hope you do. You're looking at me like you want to hurt me. <laughs> Passover was fulfilled when Jesus died. Do you know that um, the way Passover was fulfilled, um, let me explain this to you real quick. Jesus, uh, the lamb, when they brought the lamb in on the day of Passover and they slit its throat and they killed it, that was at 9 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, they put it in the oven. So they got it prepared and they put it in the oven at 3 o'clock. Do you know Jesus was hanging on the cross and died at 9 a.m.? And they got him down, they got him prepared, and they uh, put him in the tomb at 3 o'clock, fulfilling Passover. And then those other feasts, the, the unleavened bread, which was a feast inside of Passover, and also the, the, the feast of the first fruits. Did you know that the Father would take unleavened bread and He would hide it somewhere in the house? And then the morning, the, the morning after the Sabbath, He would pull out that unleavened loaf and He would hold it up in front of God and wave it as a symbol of the first fruits of the harvest that's going to come. Do you know that Jesus was the first fruits? He was God's best. God gave us His best. <laughs> Passover is fulfilled. Amen. So the thing that we could take place in that but not take uh, place in Pentecost is just silly. So, uh, you know, one question I've got is, have you fully received? Have you fully received? And only you know the answer to that. Praise the Lord. Now, that's what Pentecost is. Now you know what Pentecost is when it says the day of Pentecost had fully come. That's what Pentecost was about. And on that day, it says they spoke in tongues. So that's, that's, that's the kicker. Tongues. That's the part that gets everybody scared, makes them want to leave and never come back. When I was a kid, there was a lot of tongue speaking going on. And as a kid, um, I would be scared to invite my friends. Because sometimes I, I invited one of my friends and um, a lady um, started speaking in tongues and he said he was fixing to make a new door to get the heck out of there. He didn't know what it meant. He didn't get it. He, all he had heard was it was weird. Some people have never even heard it was weird. They've never heard anything about it at all. They have no clue. So the last thing we want to do is scare anybody off before they have an opportunity to learn and see that it's scripture, scriptural, it's biblical, it's for you, it's for today. But if we don't hang around long enough to find out, we just make that new back door, you'll never know. That goes, that's no different than going to high school or to college. If you don't hang around long enough to find out why two plus two equals four, well, you won't know. You've got to stay in class for a minute, don't you? Amen. I know some of y'all are still struggling with two plus two, but you know when you go to the drive-thru or you go to the restaurant and they type it in there and they have the change for you, but then you go, hey, you know what? I've got this other dollar. We can take the change out of it and there's smoke starts coming out of their ears because they have no idea how to add that up. Yeah. That's that new math. I helped the kids with math a while back, and they said, no, that's not going to be right, Daddy. And I said, that's right. And you tell your teacher, your dad said that's right. And you tell her she's wrong. But they were praying in tongues, the gift of tongues. The, uh... So I want you to see here what we're going to explain right here real quick, and we'll get into this more next week. But there's a gift of tongues and there's a grace of tongues. So in other words, everybody can pray in tongues. Everybody can have a prayer language. Everybody can have that pure language like we were just talking about a minute ago that was restored. And then the gift of tongues is something that's different. Um, the gift of tongues is from God. The, uh, me praying in tongues, the grace of tongues is to God. So I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm praying in tongues to God. But the gift of tongues is from God. He's going to give you a tongue and somebody's going to uh, give the tongue and there has to be an interpretation and it's not going to help you. Y'all follow me? But every, well, that's not what we're talking about today. I don't want to give you too much at once. Today we're talking about the grace of tongues, your own prayer language. 
your own prayer language. So when you're praying directly to God, uh, your spirit's praying to Him. So uh, first of all, I want you to see that it's scriptural. In 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, and get, if you have time, read the whole chapter. Read this. It's telling you the difference and uh, how things are to be in order and there's the difference between uh, praying in tongues and, and tongues and interpretation. And like I said, we'll get into more of that next week and expound on it. But it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So you're speaking to God in the Spirit. That's what, that's what we're talking about. You're speaking to God in the Spirit. That's why we're talking about praying in tongues, that you're speaking to God in the Spirit. Now skip on down to the 14th verse. It says, For I, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, your mind. I, I don't understand it in my mind. It makes no sense to me. My understanding, the understanding of my mind, it's not fruitful. But what is the conclusion then? This is Paul. What's, what do I do? He says, well, I'll pray with the Spirit and I'll pray with an understanding. In other words, I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray in English. I'm going to pray in the Spirit and I'm going to pray in English. He says, I will sing in the Spirit and I will also sing with an understanding. He says, otherwise, I'll, if, I, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen? At your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. Um, let me let, before I go any further. Let me explain this right here. He says, "What's the conclusion?" He says, "I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to pray in English. I'm going to sing in the spirit, and I'm going to sing in English." Okay. A lot of times on Sunday mornings, when we're singing the the songs and the words are up there. A lot of times on Sunday morning, pretty much every Sunday. I look at the screen and sometimes I sing along with the screen in English. Other times I just close my eyes and I start singing in the Spirit. I start singing in the Spirit. You don't hear me, but if you come and stood beside me, you would. In fact, you wouldn't hear me singing in, in English unless you come and stood beside me because I just don't sing that loud. But I'll start praying in the Spirit. And then I may open up my eyes and start uh, uh, I mean, singing in the Spirit, singing in, in English again. Okay? Paul says, I do both. I pray in English, I pray in the Spirit, and which he wasn't English, he was Greek. But y'all following me. Um, it says, Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place uh, of the uninformed say, Amen? Well, bless. With the Spirit, in other words, pray. In other words, we say the blessing, right? So you bless the food. What you're saying is, well, you pray over this food, which is funny sometimes we say, Lord Jesus, uh, I ask you to bless this food to nourish my body and my body to your service. And you're sitting down eating chili cheese fries. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, pray for mercy. It's, that's the truth. If we're going to be honest about it. But he says, if you only pray in the Spirit, how will he occupy the uninformed say amen? He does not understand what you're saying. So, an example here. Let's just say uh, Luke comes up to the front and he says, uh, I say, hey, anybody, if you need prayer for anything, come down front. And Luke comes down the front, and I say, all right, I put my hands on his head, and I just start praying in the Spirit. If I just grab him by the head and just, something like that. And then go, amen. He don't have any idea what I said. You can't amen that. How, do you, how would he amen how, how would he amen that? Now, if I grab him by the head and I say, you know what, the Bible says, Luke, the Bible says by his stripes you are healed. Right? It was provided to us. It belongs to you. So right now, we're going to pray right now. We're going to rebuke the devil. We're going to speak to the mountain, tell it to move. And we're going to just claim healing right here. You're healed in the name of Jesus. In other words, he, amen. He can amen me because he knows what I'm saying. Right? 
So what's more profitable? The English, because he can aid me. That's what he's saying. That doesn't mean don't pray in tongues. That just means Luke wouldn't profit from that. Now if there's a tongue given from heaven and, and, and you gave a, a tongue and there was a, an interpreter, then sure, everybody would be edified and built up. But if there was no interpretation, then you can't amen it. Y'all with me? Hope that makes sense. Some people are just like, did you just pray in tongues? It's crazy, isn't it? It's just crazy. Tongues didn't go away. Let me finish reading. It says, otherwise, if you bless the Spirit, how will He occupy the uninformed? Say amen, giving thanks, since He does not understand what you say. For if you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So this is Apostle Paul saying, I thank God. I'm glad y'all speak with tongues, but I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. And you have to take a hold of that. This is Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he says, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. So if it's bad or it's kooky, if it's not from God, Apostle Paul himself said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. That should mean something. If Apostle Paul did it, I want to do it. And I say Apostle Paul wrote this. Actually, the Holy Spirit wrote it. He just penned it. He just put the ink to the paper. This is God breathed. And let me tell you, when the Bible was written, it didn't change from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. It's still uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hasn't gone anywhere. And I'm not downplaying the Bible by any means. You know that. Hey, Without the Word, we had got nothing. But I'm telling you, it was the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit then. It's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit now. And you need Him. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be praying in the Spirit. When you're riding down the road in your car, praying in the Spirit. Answers come. A peace comes. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to preach about. You start praying in the Spirit, things come. Sometimes you're going to do the opening prayer and you have no idea what to say when you get up there. Close your eyes and start praying in the Spirit. And I guarantee you when you get up there, it'll come on out. Praise the Lord. It will. Dang. I hope you're... I hope the feeling on the inside of you doesn't match the, your face. <laughs> yes. I said last week, I meant to say you don't uh, eat with your mouth open. You don't eat food with your mouth open because the Word of God is food. and You don't eat with your mouth open. When I was talking about people constantly shouting out, amen, whatever, and they're not even hearing anything. I said, I meant to say you don't eat with your mouth open. I said you don't talk with your mouth open. Somebody informed me. I was like, bet you're out there thinking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How you talk with your mouth? I mean, that makes no sense. Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes it don't always come out right. Hopefully y'all can read between the lines. But this prayer, this, uh, prayer language right here, tongues, I want you to see... Uh, there that it's scriptural. Amen? And it's a benefit. I want you to see that it's a benefit. Um, let me go back to the 14th verse. He says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my understanding is... Where did I want to go to? Um... Hmm. I don't know where I wanted to go. Well, let's see. I thought it was the fourth verse. Oh, it is. That's the 14th verse. No wonder. Goodness. I might not, I might not even put that one on there. I might have left that off. Huh. Well, let me see if if I can find it right here before I move on. I was just going to skip it, but let me see if I can find it. 
He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I want you to see there, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. What does that mean? If you're praying in the tongues, you build yourself up. Praying in tongues builds yourself up. That's important. That's why, why would you do it? Well, because it's, it builds you up. That's one of the benefits of praying in the Spirit is it edifies you and it builds you up. Praise the Lord. Now, one scripture that we use all the time and preach for years, and y'all have all heard it, is the armor of God. Now, I want you to see right here in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we're going to read it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of darkness this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil, uh, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore. And this is, this is your armor. Check this out. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which uh, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now usually people stop there. Let's go down to the 18th. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Not in English, not in Greek, not in Hebrew, not in Chinese, not in Spanish, but in the Spirit. It's capitalized in the Spirit because that's a person, the Holy Spirit. It's important. This is part of your warfare. This is part of your armor. Praying always, all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit, it's important. Why? Because it builds you up. It edifies you. Amen. Looking, uh, did I not give, here it is, um, Jude. There's only one chapter in Jude. It's the 20th verse. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Because it builds you up. Praying in the Holy Spirit builds you up. We'll go back to 1 Corinthians and look at that again. For if I pray in a tongue, no, it's supposed to be the fourth verse, which is the one I just read. I, I made a mistake. That's not Jackie's fault. It's my fault. First time ever. But it says, praying in the Spirit edifies. It builds you up. Do you see this? Do you see this? That praying in the Spirit builds you up. So why would you not want to do something that builds you up? Why would you not want to do something that edifies you and builds you up and get strengthens you? That's what it does. It's not weird. It's not kooky. It builds you up. Praise the Lord. So, I was talking to one of my friends who, who uh, was attending a church here local. And I've heard this before, but this just recently happened. But he said they were having a prayer meeting. Six o'clock in the morning. Six o'clock. And they go to this prayer meeting, and he invited one of his employees to go, which was a lady. And uh, they went in there at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they're praying. And this lady began to pray in the Spirit, to pray in tongues. And she's over there praying in the Spirit. And somebody tapped her on the shoulder, and she turned around, and they said, you can't do that. Because you're, 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 maybe you're disruptive or distracting the others. I thought, what in the world? It's a prayer meeting. It's a prayer meeting. I mean, things need to be done in order. Don't get me wrong. In other words, if you just stand up right now and start praying in tongues out loud, that's going to disrupt things. I'm up here preaching. Don't interrupt God when He's talking to you. It'll be no different if you stood up and started speaking in English. You're going to interrupt and disrupt the service. Right? So, but it's a prayer meeting. We're gathered together to pray. Everybody in the prayer meeting should pray. And basically they told him, you can't do that here. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to leave. Dear Lord Jesus, it says in 1 Corinthians, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. But it also says, let all things be done decently and in order. If you stood up right now and started doing that, that would be out of order. Right? But he says not to forbid it. It shouldn't be forbidden. There's a pastor here that was at a pastor of a huge church here in Gardendale. He's now in Memphis. Years ago, he said, if anybody in this church ever prays in tongues, I'm going to have you escorted out of the building. 
Well, he must have skipped that scripture. Not to forbid it. It says don't forbid it. Also to keep it in order. And we're going to keep it in order. Only one time uh, in, in my life, in my ministry, a lady stood up and I wasn't preaching to someone else. Well, she stood up and started acting crazy and hollering at the pastor. It was out of order. If she had something she wanted to say to him, she should have waited until after and went and talked to him in private. But I remember I turned around looked back at the ushers and they weren't moving. I'm like, great. So I got up and told the lady, I was like, well, you got to step outside. We can't do this. And it would be no different today. If somebody decided to come down here and they were going to, what they had to say was more important than me, <laughs> well, I don't think you're going to make it down here. I know too many men that are sitting in this congregation that would take care of the problem before I even had to. That would be disruptive. Do you understand? Y'all following me? He says, not to forbid it. Not to forbid it. I'd be, that's scary to think about forbidding something that God says not to forbid. It's got its place. It's edifying. It builds you up. It builds you up. If I do it, it builds me up. If we all gather together in a prayer group and we're praying, I've been in prayer groups before, when I, you don't even know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. Be praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, a name will come to you, or pray in the Spirit, and I'll see somebody, i see somebody plain as day sitting on the end of their bed in a room, I even see things in that room like paneling or a picture or a color of a sheet, and they're contemplating suicide, praying in the Spirit. Boom, now I'm praying in English. I'm, I'm speaking against it, against that suicide, against those suicidal thoughts, or reach out to them. Say, so you come along too late to convince me it's not real. I've done seen it. I've seen it my whole life. My grandmother right over here. I've seen her pray in the Spirit her whole, my whole life. We're riding down the road in the car. She's just praying the Spirit. Not real loud. Just, just not, not, not hear it real loud. But she's just praying in the Spirit. And then pull up to the drive-thru, pray in the Spirit. I'll take a number one with extra pickles, large size with a Coke. Is that all? Uh, yes, ma'am. Back to praying in the Spirit hand them the money, drive off back to praying in the Spirit, cooking, praying in the Spirit. And while she'd be praying in the Spirit, she had this notebook, and she'd, names would come to her, and she'd write them down, write down these names. Uh, uh, John Doe, I had one of my friends named Jason Garrison. Some of y'all may know it, and he, he wouldn't care if I shared this story, or I'd never do it. But um, she's praying one time for him, and, uh, and he is having marriage problems. I never told her he is having marriage problems, but the Holy Spirit told her while she was praying in the Spirit. Then a while later, I brought Jason over there to the shop, and uh, I, I left him in there with my grandmother. And um, he come out, and he goes, your grandma's a witch. <laughs> and I said, a witch? He goes, she knows stuff about me. She knows I've been having marriage problems. She knows this stuff. And I was like, my grandma ain't no witch, you fool. So the Lord told her that. Anyway, he was freaked out. But you know what? He, he, he started coming to church and he found out. And uh, he has moved off now. But um, <laughs> pray in the Spirit. That's how that came. She'd have this notebook and she'd have men's names written on it. We'd be at this little appliance shop in Tarrant City and a man would come in. He's looking for a washer and dryer and they're going to write him a ticket. And he says, you know, my name's uh, 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 Ricky Joe Bobby. And she'd go, Ricky Joe Bobby. And she'd get her notebook out and go, flip back, have a date, 2 a.m. The Lord woke me up at 2 a.m. I was uh, praying for you um, Little honey, are you having a problem here? And they just break down, cry, get on their knees, lay on the floor. I mean, Holy Spirit praying in tongues. That's how that came. It's not weird. It's not kooky. It's the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it shouldn't be forbidden. It's scriptural. It's a benefit. It should certainly not be forbidden, but definitely in order. And I think that's why probably a lot of people are a little weirded out by it because they probably uh, saw some things that were uh, out of order and that were weird. But you've been to an Alabama game before and saw some weirdos <laughs> or an Auburn game. Does that mean that football's bad? There's weirdos and everything. 
There are. <laughs> uh, Y'all are probably thinking I'm a weirdo, but that's okay. I'm thinking you are too, but last point here. It's a choice. It's a choice. In the 14th verse, we've already read it. We're reading it again. He says, for if, this is Paul, for if I pray in a tongue, if I do, if. In other words, it's a choice. He doesn't have to. But if he does, my spirit prays and my understanding is unfruitful. What's the conclusion? What am I going to do? He says, I will pray in the spirit. That means he's choosing. If is a choice, and I will. God gives you a will. You can do what you want. And Paul says, I choose to do it. In other words, it's going to be a choice. It's going to be a choice. You're not going to be at Publix one day shopping, minding your business, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit come upon you, take over your body like you're a remote control car or truck, and you're just going to start praying in the Spirit out loud. It, it doesn't happen like that. It's a yielding. It's no different than today when you walk out the back door a check will not jump out of your purse or no cash is going to jump out of your wallet, jump out into that offering box. You will absolutely have to get out and write a big old fat check. <laughs> and by the way, it's October's Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm just saying. You can fill it, make it out to me if you want. I'm kidding. I mean, unless you want to, go for it. But you're going to have to write it. It won't jump out your purse. It's not going to. I said last week you got to yield your feet and your hands. We're the hands and feet of God. But He doesn't take over you. You have to yield. Same thing with this tongue. You have to yield it. The first thing that changed when the Holy Spirit came in was their tongue. And a lot of us need our tongues changed because we're saying the wrong things. And we need to change our speech. But you've got to yield your tongue. We... Um, Patrick over here, he, he, we work together. He builds things out of wood. Sometimes he does things on the side out of wood, makes like furniture and tables and things of that nature. But you know what? I've never heard one time that he was in Lowe's and the gift of woodworking came over him. And he just grabbed some wood and some saws and just started working right there in the middle of Lowe's. That'd be a sight. He'd have to yield it. He'd have to do it. I'm telling you, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. It's nothing to be scared of. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's not going to take over you. You just have to yield your tongue. It's controllable is what I'm saying. Paul said, if. And Paul said, I will. In other words, this thing is controllable. It's controllable. Praise the Lord. Now, are we learning anything? I hope so. I hope so. This is my last scripture right here. Just ask. Just ask. Paul says, I wish that all of you spoke in tongues. I wish all of you did. He said, I'm thankful I speak in tongues more than of you all. And we read there in Ephesians, it's part of your armor. You need it. You need it. And Luke, the 11th chapter, he says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? Notice it's capitalized. To those who ask him, well, how do you receive, you ask? And James is talking about money, but he says you have not and you ask. If you, you have not because you ask not. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. Have not because you ask not. How do you receive? You ask. You ask. It's provided to you. You just ask and receive. Praise the Lord. So some people think it's demonic and it's evil. Do you think, that's what the Scripture's proven to you, do you think if, you, if we ask God earnestly for the Holy Spirit, that He's up there in heaven just laughing, and we'll give you a demon? I mean, it's just plumb silly. I've heard these things. I've heard these things. People think it's of the devil. If you're praying in tongues, it's of the devil. 
It's not of the devil. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a language that you pray to God from your spirit, a direct connection. Do you understand me? I can tell you another benefit from it too. When you pray in English, Satan understands what you're saying. When you're praying for that new job, he understands what you're saying to come in and prevent you from getting the new job, putting up some roadblocks or doing his best to prevent it. You're praying for that marriage. He hears you. Do you know what he doesn't understand? He doesn't understand when you pray in the Spirit. He doesn't understand it. That's a pure language that, let me tell you, he doesn't understand it. And a lot of times you don't understand it. Um, You don't have to understand it. You just agree with it. Amen. Now next week, we're going to talk about the gift of tongues and uh, expound on that a little bit. But as for today... The praying in tongues, the prayer language. Anna, come on up. So I remember when I first um, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and to pray in tongues. Well, first of all, it's just, you know, you just feel really awkward and uncomfortable when you're around somebody and it's like, it just feels weird. And I, I get that. I get it. I understand. I felt that same feeling. Um, praying in public sometimes feels feels weird at first. I remember the first time I prayed just for my kids was a struggle in English. I remember when Mackenzie was just a little thing. Seriously. She was just a wee little thing. And she came in there and she said, Daddy, can you pray for me? I don't feel very good. She probably don't even remember because she's so little. Daddy, will you pray for me? And I was like... Uh, uh, where's your mama? What a wuss. I'm going to tell you. What a wuss. True story. Kevin was talking Wednesday night about toughening me up when I was a kid, and I'm thankful for that. You think you're a man because you can take pain, endure pain, or whatever. Real tough guy. Yeah, break a bone or get skin up, toe up, don't cry. I'm so tough. I'm tough. Can't even pray for my daughter. Not that tough. Come to find out, kind of wimpy. Seriously, it's kind of wimpy. You might not like that, but it's just the truth. I didn't like it either. But uh, I found out what, what being a man really was, and it certainly wasn't enduring pain. It was knowing your father and acting like him. A relationship with Jesus. Yielding. That's what being a man's all about. But anyway, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Years went by, and um, one time something else come up, and Jackie, she just put me on the spot, and, and she said something about we need to pray. And then I said, well, go ahead. She'd read the Bible to me at night until I fell asleep. I mean, I didn't even read the Bible. She read it to me. And then she says something like, well, you're, you know, you're supposed, supposed to be the spiritual leader. Hello, man. So I started praying that night, and I'll be honest, I had to shut up since. It was hard to get the first words out. I mean, difficult. I laid there and just me and my wife. I couldn't even pray in front of her. How silly that sounds now. But then it wasn't silly. Then it was a real struggle. And you may be experiencing that struggle as well. When I finally get those words out, I mean, I prayed for like 30 minutes. (laughs) I had a lot to get to say. I had a lot built up. I say all that to say this, tongues, praying in tongues in the Spirit's no different. When you, when you ask Jesus, when you say that you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and uh, ask for this gift that we were just talking about, some syllables are going to come your, to your mind. It's just one or two syllables. 
It's just one or two. Some, some people just take off. That's usually just one or two syllables. If you ever yield that tongue, open that mouth, there's one or two syllables, he keeps adding to the language, and he keeps adding to the language, he keeps adding to your vocabulary. Does that make sense? It's just yielding that tongue. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some people received the baptism last week, opened their hands up towards heaven, said, I receive. And um, now it's time for that prayer language that's going to build you up. It's going to edify you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to help you out so much. I know it's hard to wrap your mind around. You don't understand it. You have to just trust me on it. Trust this word on it. It's going to build you up. It's something you'll look back on and go, man, how did I make it without it? How did I make it all those years without it? Wow. Amen. But it's got to start somewhere. And like I said, he doesn't just take over you. You have to yield your tongue. Okay? So, 